Welcome to Corpus Christi Anglican Church. I'm Morgan, our planting clergy. Our vision of this church is to become a common people in common prayer for uncommon transformation. This podcast is where you will hear our sermons and other teachings that have happened at Corpus Christi. We primarily serve the region of Springfield, Franconia, and Kingstown. We're glad that you're here. Thanks for taking time to listen. Here's the message. Well, good morning once again. My name is Father Ryan Bedway. I'm excited to be able to worship today in Christ the King Sunday with you. Uh, this is why we're wearing these white uh, stoles, and, um, and we're celebrating today uh, Christ the King, the Lord, the God of heaven and earth. He is um, the King of glory. As we hear in uh, the lyrics of a famous hymn, the King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty. And that, uh, that is the God we come today to worship and uh, to adore. Not just in uh, the listening to the God's word and uh, in speaking about it and hearing from it now in this sermon, but also throughout our worship today. Uh, our, our entire liturgy is full of these words of, of bringing ourselves with thanksgiving and praise. And uh, today, as we come uh, to God's word, I invite you uh, to pray with me as we begin. Father God, King of heaven and earth, we thank you and we praise you today. We ask you to bless the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts. May you bring upon us today the word of truth, the gospel of salvation. May we be filled with your spirit to worship you in spirit and in truth, the king of glory. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So... We're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 1, if you'd like to uh, be reading along with me from the scriptures, Colossians chapter 1, verses 11 through 20. Uh, What we see here in this chapter, specifically about the king, uh, Christ the king, is that uh, Christ the king of glory is, uh, I see three things that he does with us. the the members of his church he he is a rescuer king he is a qualifying king and he is a king who empowers us he he rescues qualifies and continues to empower us Uh, so the first thing we're going to be looking at here is this, this idea that he is a delivering king the king of glory is a deliverer he is a rescuing king See, uh, God's love towards us as a king, it's not merely one of uh, a passive king. We we might have this idea of when when we first think of a king, uh, we think of the throne as very uh, far away, very unapproachable, uh, almost as though the king in and of itself is so so sorely lost touch with his people. And, And truly, some of the images we have of earthly kings Uh, would give us that understanding of what a a king's role is over his people. We get this idea that it's enthroned, the throne is unapproachable, it's far off, uh, in in a tower guarded by a moat, and there's no way to access. But but that's not 
our king, Christ the king, our God, is a king who both draws near and allows us to draw near. And as a rescuer king, Christ the king is motivated to draw near to us, not because we were already in the light, or that we'd already aligned our allegiance with the true king. But instead, what Paul communicates here in this passage is, is quite the, the opposite. He actually says, no, we, we were drenched in such a hopeless darkness and, and rampant rebellion and utter death As Paul communicates in other places, we were dead in our transgressions and sins in which we once walked, following the powers and the principalities of this dark world. There was no way for us to approach such a king, let alone to to escape from that utter darkness. But it's in that position of utter rebellion against the king and up against his good purposes for us that we set this scene of Christ coming as king. See, see, this is how we know what true love is. This is how we know what true love is, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were enemies of his kingdom. And then God acted. God delivered us from the domain of darkness, Paul says here, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. God delivered us from that domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, Jesus. See, the Jesus, the king, the eternal one that we place our eyes on, that we look to, this this eternal one did not stay far off, but came near. In the incarnation, he came as a little baby boy. And he opened the way for us to eternal communion with him. The eternal one suffered to secure our portion. The eternal one died to make peace by the blood of his cross. The eternal one reigns as king over the kingdom of light where we enjoy the fullness of citizenship found in him, King Jesus. We receive redemption, the forgiveness of our sins from a king who before he ascended into glory to sit upon the throne at the right hand of God first descended to earth and suffered. The apostle John, he has this vision in Revelation 5 and and remember what he depicts there. Not, Not a king that we would expect, but he depicts a throne room where every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them all glorifying and blessing and adoring the Lamb upon the throne. The Lamb suffering. The Lamb who was slain 
has begun his reign. And that is the deliverer, the king that we worship. We crown this lamb with many crowns, the lamb upon his throne. How the heavenly anthem drowns all music, but the music of the king of glory. It's it's the same king, King Jesus, who also qualifies us. The deliverer is also the one who, who qualifies us. In 1932, and again in in 1936, a, I'm sorry, I forgot to write your name down. Uh, There was a a, a sprinter in uh, 1932 and in 1936 who ran for uh, the United States and qualified in the Olympics, uh, both times qualifying in the top three in the uh, 100 meter dash. Uh, and in her position as a, an Olympian, she was able to go to the Olympics. The first one is in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, and the second one was in, uh, of all places, was in Berlin, Germany. And um, for her, um, uh, I don't know, if I'm going to use this illustration, I have to look up her name. Sorry. I have it written down here. I don't think you would guess it, actually. Okay, sorry about that. Um, Okay, Uh, her name is Louise Stokes. And um, the reason I I say I want to use her name is because in order to to honor her properly, um, well, you'll see from this illustration, she, as an Olympian, she... Uh, she qualified for both of these two Olympiads, and in her position as an, uh, an Olympic runner, she was qualifying in order to be on the uh, on the the four by one hundred uh, relay. And in the first Olympics, uh, she, while even though she was in the top three in the country, she was uh, she was uh, her opportunity to run was uh, was stripped from her um, at the last minute, and. So she was determined to run in 1936, and when she went to Berlin and she ran with the, um, and she qualified for the team, uh, Stokes once again ran and um, qualified for the team, and um, the day of the the run, once again, uh, the, the coach chose to to, uh, to take someone else and put uh, another runner in her place. So the, the reason that they gave was that they had a better chance of winning, and um, in both cases they, they did win the gold medal. Um, but in reality, uh, Stokes, has a, uh, she was a black woman, and she uh, faced the, the bitter fruits of, uh, the, of, a, of a racist context that she lived in, in the United States, and also, despite qualifying as an Olympian, going to Berlin, Germany in the 1930s, also faced uh, extreme discrimination in that context as well. And imagine being in her position, being one of the greatest runners in your entire country, being, being, uh, having qualified for the Olympics, having qualified to be in this position, 
deserving of great honor and, and all of the accolades that come with it and, and losing that opportunity and, and not even really and knowing full well what, what the reasons were and, and yet not even having the, the dignity of, of having someone be able to say that to her. And after the 1936 Olympics, she never ran again. I think we operate this way towards our God as well. It, we, we recognize God's lordship only to the extent that we feel as though we have qualified. Even though he says clearly here that we uh, that God has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of life, we we say, well, I, I don't feel as though I've qualified. I know my sin. I, I know my brokenness. I know my shame, and, and I, I know the the utter doubts that I hold. Uh, I, I know so many ways that I have not qualified. Or, or we, we say, yes, we have qualified, but we're not confident that God sees it that way. We're, we're like, I, 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 like Stokes going to the Olympics. I, I, I don't want to trust. I don't want to place my hope there because I know it could be taken away at, at any minute, at a, at a moment's notice. But, but that's not the God that we worship. That's not the King of glory that we come and adore together. As, as Christian people, we recognize Christ's Lordship over the entire cosmos and over all aspects of life and society entirely and completely. And that is utterly outside of ourselves and he looks upon us and he calls us holy and he calls us to be qualified that we are qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints of light despite all of the doubts despite all of the things that could keep us from coming to him. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in all things hold together in him. He is the head of the body, the church. So we as the church, we have Christ the King as our head. He sets the agenda. He qualifies us. He delivers us and makes peace by the blood of his cross. And we, what do we do? We, we come to him. We come to him based on his own power he empowers us. As the passage says here in verse 12, we give, uh, or sorry, uh, verse 11, we are strengthened 
That is, we are empowered with all power according to his glorious might, according to his power. See, see, even our coming and giving thanks and adoring him is his initiative. He strengthens us. He empowers us with his power according to his glorious power so that we can endure. So that we can live the life that we're called to live in Christ. See, see this, this glorious power working in us um, is calling us to live as Christian people at this point in time in light of eternity. Not just in light of the life we're living here on earth, which by comparison to eternity is but a second. He calls us this, this term patience. Essentially, think of it as uh, uh, we, we, uh, anyone here who's a parent, um, but everyone really, all of us can, uh, you, you understand the word short-tempered. Uh, this this idea that um, you know if, if, when you're having a rough day, uh, it's it's very easy to be short with uh, the people who are around you, uh, your your classmates or your children or your spouse or your uh, your your coworkers. Um, what this this term patience here, what he's calling us to and empowering us for in this life is long temperedness. Literally, for us to say, we're not going to be short-tempered. We're going to practice living into this calling to be long-tempered, patient, and to endure. There's so much that we have to endure in this life where Christ has already come and delivered us and called us to be qualified, and yet he has not come to fully and completely redeem us from the scourge that we are in. To riff on what the psalmist said earlier, we will not fear though political situations in D.C. give way, though war wages in the heart of Eastern Europe, though the market tumbles and falls and our 401ks are dashed upon the rocks, though isolation and depression deplete energy day after day. See, the devil will use all sorts of evil in this life to inflict pain and grief and suffering on his enemies. Why? He does it to convince us that it's not worth the agony of faithfulness to God. But notice also that the enemy is sly. He uses all manners of cunning to lead us away from God in a more subtle way as well. And this is Paul's concern to the Colossians. That they not be led astray by false teaching to a false gospel. That very slow and steady move away from fidelity to the true king. So how do we do this? We call it practice. The Apostle Peter calls it practice in his first letter. We call it practice because it means that we have this perfect 
and beautiful internal standard that we apply now as imperfect people who are called to live into the holiness and the life we're meant to live, to come and give thanks to the living God with all endurance and long-temperedness, with joy. And we give thanks as we come to adore the Father. And, and, and I'm a tactile learner, so what I want you to do is I want you to uh, come uh, along with me, and I, I want you to open your hand, and, and we're coming to the table, uh, we're going to celebrate the Eucharist, which literally is Thanksgiving, we're coming into Thanksgiving week, uh, and I want you to imagine yourself coming now, and so... Uh, however you come and hold your hands to receive the Eucharist. I, I just want you to cup your hands like this. And as as we're closing, I'm, I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing. And I want you to just close your eyes and imagine yourself coming. And, and coming to the Deliverer King. Coming to the one who has qualified you. And, and I want you to, I want you to give thanks. I want you to give thanks to that, that Father for what He has given you as we continue to approach Him and worship Him. Let us pray. Holy Father, we thank You. We thank You for Your provision of this day, this gathering. We thank You for uh, this simple things you've given us that day over day we take for granted the people around us the provision of food and shelter we thank you on the other end for being God and initiating for us as our deliverer king our qualifying king and for empowering us to come to you with thanksgiving and praise today. Lord, may we worship you and know you more fully. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.